where we're going with all of this today. Obviously my podcast is about intentional living and Mm -hmm. I am hoping that we can touch on how you two found yourself where you are today in a relationship with each other, because that's going to go through, you know, the journey of self-awareness and all of that, you know, like that. That that was a long journey. I know. Mine's chaotic. Hers, I don't know if yours is chaotic necessarily, but there are bodies on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. And I'm also going to touch on, because I think it's really cool the way that you left your work for a while. Oh yeah. This is a great story. Yeah. And did that because I, that was kind of like this, like vibration that we were both riding on at that time. Mm -hmm. I feel like. I agree. So I'm, we'll touch into that. So I was just, those were the two things that I was leaning towards as well as how you and I have stayed in touch. And then I'll touch on how I was fangirling over Deborah. And then oh. I was like, oh, holy shit, Charity's marrying one of the ordained women. women. You know? like, so I'll touch on that. But I was wondering if there was anything else that you guys are thinking as far as all of this goes, if you've had any ideas about where you wanted to head with things so we can make sure we integrate things. I mean, I feel like the best way to do this would be to touch on those points. And then uh, if the conversation organically goes to something that applies well, then that's what I like to do. Obviously we can do that. And um, I know you mentioned that you wanted to hopefully release this during poor pride month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can definitely, I'm, a, I'm an open book. You know that already about me. So yeah. I keep having these awesome conversations with my friends and I'm like, I wish I could share that conversation with my other friend over here. I wish I did. So I, I like it totally on board with that. Let's get started with it then. All right, let's do this. Welcome to it's a packed life podcast. I'm your host, Celeste. And today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. I'm excited for episodes eight and nine, which are the next two episodes. They are both part of the same conversation that I had with my friends, Charity and Deb. We talk about some amazing things, but most especially about the importance of love, what it means to be loved and having the opportunity to be able to love who we love, which is why the episode is called Love Wins. Welcome to the show. So my guests today are Charity and Deborah. Do you go by Deborah or do you just go by Deb? Either one's fine. Charity Either one. Deborah. So that works. That's why I said Deborah. But I... <laughs> <laughs> she calls me Deborah and my kids always think it's like, who's Deborah? Because do you go by Deb with most people? Like, yeah, I grew up as a Debbie and oh. got a job where there was already a Deb and a Debbie. So my boss called me Deborah, mm. and that's what I went by at work and school. And that's how she met me. That's a good place to start. How did you two meet? Uh, <laughs> Facebook dating, yo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was funny because a really quick backstory, though. Um, I actually first saw her. The first time I saw Deborah was in 2017. Oh. Monterey, uh, she was interviewing um, Barry Bostwick at FanX. And I remember, so I went, the only reason why I went to that panel, that interview was because I wanted a good seat for the next panel <laughs> coming up after that. Yeah. So I 
I, and, and, you know, honestly, it ended up being a great interview. I was really glad I was there, but uh, I saw her and was like, ooh, she's attractive. <laughs> and then she was like, before Barry Bostwick finally, like, shows up on the stage, she goes, she's telling the audience about herself. And she's like, I'm a professor and stuff. And then she was like, and I'm married with three kids. And I was like, well, never mind. <laughs> so, I, had to, I had to vamp for, like, he was like 15 minutes late. I had to pa- make panic. Oh, yeah. I had to like, introduce yeah. myself and then try. I don't know. It was very yeah. uncomfortable, but yeah. So the only reason why I told you that story is because I needed you to know that when I saw her pop up on Facebook <laughs> dating, I had a bit of an in because I, the, the conversation started with me saying, you look um, familiar. You look familiar. <laughs> Do I know you from fan X? And then the conversation took off. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. how we met because it was the middle of the pandemic and you couldn't date in person. So yeah. found people online. Well, I mean, I found Corey online back in 2000 at the end of 2002. No judgment. That's it's nice. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It was the yeah. way to, we, talked online and then texted constantly you can learn so much about someone when because you don't have that um like in front of your face anxiety barrier up and you're not like watching their immediate reaction to everything that you're saying and so it's a lot easier at least it was for me to be really honest yeah yeah and really clear about what I was looking for what I wasn't looking for what you know yeah yeah, so for my introvert heart, it was nicer to do it that way and kind of get over the hurdles of getting like the ice breaking stuff and and whatever. Um, because then when we fir- when we finally went out on our first date, I was still nervous, but it turned into an eight hour long date. <laughs> so I mean, we met for you know lunch and we were there for three three hours or something, mm-hmm. and uh, we everything came up everything came up everything we talked about everything um Corey and I ended up on a 10-hour date our first yeah. day because, because you've already have the connection yes and now you're looking to see if you also have chemistry and when that yeah. piece also slides in it's kind of like I don't want this to end yeah, yeah. yeah. I pretty much like I was very grateful that I was dating online because it was my first time dating anyone in 25 years yeah And, um, I was trying, I was finally able to be myself and I was dating women. Yeah. I didn't know what that was going to be like either, but the nice thing was we were able to chat and talk for a month and be really honest about like, here are some of the things in my life. You should know this. And I basically knew I was in love with her before we even met in person. I just wanted to make sure that she was tall and <laughs> that we could have a good time. And <laughs> you just cut out right there. So you just wanted to make sure she was tall enough. Oh, was, was tall very, enough. For some reason, I was very concerned about how tall she was. I had my friend Facebook stalk her account and be like, how tall do you think she is? Will she be tall enough that her face is not in my boobs the whole time? So yeah. Uh, and then, so after the first, so the first date we went and we had lunch and then we went to an Ogden Raptors baseball game. And then later on that evening, we realized we both drive a Subaru Forester, which we thought was very funny. Um, tell me you're a lesbian without 
right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. And then the rest is kind of history, I guess. You saw her first in 2017 and you went on your first date when? August, 2021. Mm-hmm. So this last August. So it's been almost a year. Yeah. Yes. And then you got engaged. February 15th. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. It was a day after Valentine's Day. 2020. Because I, because you know what I said, I was like, "Thank you for not doing this on Valentine's Day." Yeah, yeah. But I just have to say, the way that you proposed, Deb, was so cute. Thank you. And so perfect. Like it could have been so horribly wrong, just because of who Charity is. (laughs) So now that I've said that, you have to say what you did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're both avid readers, but Charity loves um she loves Dickens, like is obsessed. And I decided so I we had been looking at rings. I just want to make that clear. I would never endeavor to pick out a ring for her, not ever once. Um, but we <laughs> so we picked out rings that we liked and I ordered hers. And also ordered just like some crappy big version of a bunch of Dickens stories together. All it had to be was thick enough that I could mutilate the inside (laughs) and cut open. So it was like a hide a book. I made it a hide a book. Yeah. And hide her ring inside and took her to her favorite used bookstore, Marissa's in Salt Lake City. And we went, we were just shopping around and I had had this book hidden in my bag and they knew I called them ahead and said, I'm going to bring a book in and not pay for it. It's already mutilated. Yeah. That I've already ruined. You, want it anyway. you don't um, want it. <laughs> all the pages are glued together. <laughs> so um, I walked over to her and I said, what about this one? And she looked at it. Like my friend had kind of messed with it to make it look like it was older than it is. And she opened it up and I did not get down on one knee. I mean, that's okay. I have ours waited. <laughs> Honestly, that, that I wouldn't. Have it would have been a little too cheesy for me. Uh, I don't know uh, yeah. I was, I think the way you did it was perfect because it did surprise me. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like, stunned for a second you know and it was just really so cute did you want to puke a little when you saw the book (laughs) say what did you feel like puking a little bit seeing a book mutilated like that um there was a small inside part of me that was like I can forgive her for this this is fine (laughs) because Because, uh, yeah, like she's currently reading a book of mine right now and she's so afraid to break the spine. And I'm just like, just break the spine and that's fine. But anyway, but she's like, I don't want to. Because um, she's ridiculous. You're a little vocal about this stuff, Charity. Yeah, no, she's given me a hard time about it before. So I would never I, borrow a book from you. I love you to pieces, but I would be terrified. It's that's really, fair. It's nerve wracking. So she <laughs> opened it and figured out what it was. She, by the way, she had been giving me no end of shit. Can I swear on this? Absolutely. 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 Been 
she had kept making all these comments about, well, like if I had a ring or she said something about like, I kept keep looking at my left hand and I don't have a ring. And I was like, you know what? Back off. It's coming. Cause we had, I had told her like, don't, you don't get to propose. I do. I call it. Cause Aww. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Anyway. So I gave her the ring and she was so excited. She was so cute. And the people who worked there were like, Oh my God, we love this so much. Cause mm-hmm. they know her too. Uh, she's the woman who was working said, I called the manager and she said she was going to come in, but then it might throw everything off. Anyway, I've given them lots of money. Yeah. So <laughs> well, here's how you know how much they love her. I gave this to her. She's got her ring. And I'm like, so do you want to, should we go home now? Like, what do you want to do? And she goes, don't we get to shop for books? And I was like, no, you don't get to shop for books right now. This is the one time I'm going to say no, no book shopping. (laughs) Immediately after I asked that question, I was like, did I really just say that? (laughs) I just got engaged and I'm worried about like shopping for books. Anyway, we have to go home and call family and tell them this happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's adorable. Yeah. The cutest part is she actually talked to my mom before she did it. You did? Yeah. 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 It's the first time anybody has ever even given that kind of consideration. <laughs> so, I mean, it was sweet. I, was, I didn't ask her for permission. And mm-hmm. I told her I was like, I want what I wanted to do was just, I, it's kind of like cheesy, but I, I wanted her blessing. And I also wanted her to know because I told her like, she, <laughs> Charity's family means a lot to her. Yeah. Especially parents she loves with her dad being gone yeah yeah gone her mom means the world to her and so I just her I said (laughs) I said I just wanted you to know that I want to do this and um I hope that we can have your blessing and her mom was incredibly sweet and lovely and said um basically what she said to me was she just wanted to make it she's worried about charity's heart and she does she wants to make sure that she doesn't get hurt again yeah and I promised her that I would do everything to not hurt her that's really sweet yeah um so you've both been married before are we okay to say that yeah you're okay to say yeah we'll let you know if there's some uh, territory that shall not be spreaded upon so when you were both married before, um, Charity, you proposed the first time, didn't you? Correct. And Deb, you were proposed too, I'm assuming, the first time? No. no? You did it then too? No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you just arranged marriage? No. So, <laughs> this is, you sound like my kids. My daughters once asked me um, to tell mm-hmm. them, like, their dad and I were, we were in the car and they said, how did dad propose to you? And we both looked at each other and we, I said, he, he didn't. We just, we were having a conversation and we realized we were both talking about when we were married and we were like, so I guess we're getting married. Yeah. I guess we're getting married. And then a few months later, he, we were driving to a family party and he put a ring on my knee while he he was driving and said, I thought you might want to wear this at the family party. My ex is a wonderfully nice man, but not really the kind who grand gestures plans things Mm -hmm. or engages in grand gestures or organizes anything. So yeah, that is about as fancy as you're going to get from him. (laughs) So no, (laughs) 
I mean, Corey and I were sitting next to each other in the bed. We were talking, we were just sitting in the bed. And then he's like, so you want to get married? And I was like, sure. <laughs> it was like that. only. And then I time. said, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. And I got my ring. He was already deployed. And he had his sister put it inside of a, the butt of a white rose while we were on the phone with each other. So basically his sister gave me my ring. (laughs) (laughs) But we'd been engaged for several months before I had a ring. And I told him, just go to Walmart and get me a cheap ass ring to be wearing on my finger while you're gone. No, it had to be like, he's, he's a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, You know, I got mine in between second and third gear. Not, not a euphemism. Nope. He was literally shifting between second and third <laughs> gear on Washington Avenue, Washington Boulevard. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. That's great. Still my heart. I know. I know. My daughters were really bothered by that whole story. They're like, we I want can't... more than this from life. Yeah. Well, and I just said, I mean, who I am is who I am. I'm not much different than who I was back then. I don't like big romantic public proposals. Right. Romantic things. I wouldn't have even liked it in a restaurant. Uh, like, I'm right. not like that. But I would have appreciated something a little bit more personalized and thoughtful, possibly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So at least in the bookstore, like, I mean, there were a few customers milling about or whatever, but it's not like it was something that, was done super out loud so that right. people, so that people mm-hmm. knew. Um, the only people who actually knew what was going on were the were the employees that were there. So um, because they'd been given I, a heads up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so that was the other reason I didn't want to get down on my knees. I didn't want to spectacle. make a spectacle. Yeah, and I, I wanted it to be between yeah. us. And I was okay with that because my genuine reaction to it was more was a, more vulnerable than I thought it would be. <laughs> So I would, I would have been uncomfortable with having strangers witness that. So um, it worked out really well. Did you cry? I didn't cry, but I was definitely. She was thrown off. I was was surprised by how surprised she was. (laughs) I was pretty, I was emotional over it. Like it was, um, even though we had talked about it ahead of time, it became real at that moment. You right. Know what I mean? Like it be, it, it was materialized. In it went from the abstract to the concrete. Exactly. And so, um, of course I was just like, and then, you know, there was also that part of me that was like, I can't believe I'm willing to do this again. <laughs> you know, I mean, because. Do you, did you both feel that way or had you moved past that already, Deborah? Oh, about like, I couldn't believe I was willing to get married again. Yeah. Yes. And no, I still think that sometimes when I have to deal with things with my former spouse, who again is like the nicest guy in the world. And we're friends. We like their power tools and stuff. (laughs) He's like, he's really nice. He helped us move into our house. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's, you know, your exes for a reason. (laughs) Um, so occasionally I'm like, Oh God, do I want to like risk this again? I knew almost immediately that's beautiful. That I wanted to be with her for the rest of Listen, the Listen, if I liked women, charity would be on my radar. 
right? Who doesn't want to all the time? Like we sit in a chair or sit in our bed. And last night we laid in bed last and read for like like three hours. Yeah. Just, she read her book and I read my book and I was, and all I could think was like, this is heaven. And I told her, I keep walking, I'll walk out of our kitchen into our living room and hand her something. And I have to remind myself that I'm not like on a vacation at an Airbnb that this is actually my life because I'm with a person who makes me happy all the time, even when she snaps at me. <laughs> like, I know that would she, I ever like, or, you know, <laughs> it just is even when things aren't perfect, right? you know, that there's love there. Right. And I the always security in that. Yeah. I always want to be with her. Like I, which is, I can be without her. But if I have a choice, I would rather have her right there next to me all the time. And I knew that from like the third date. Yeah. First date to second date, it was a week. Second date to third date, it was a week. It was a week, yeah. Third date to fourth date, it was maybe four days. And then we were together. We started counting out like, okay, I can come to you the day after tomorrow. And yeah. you can and after you know, we just were never apart from this side, watching that happen for charity. Cause I had watched charity go through her marriage mm-hmm. and divorce and yeah. I'm at least one other relationship that she shared about, <laughs> you know, yeah. but watching charity from when she was like, I met this person and I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but you know, cause we were Marco Poloing at that point yeah. in time quite frequently. Yeah. And then just, just the energy and the vibe that Charity had around her as that, I was like, Charity just met her person. (laughs) (laughs) I was slightly different. There's a picture of me laying on the floor of a grocery store because I was like, I don't want to fall in love. The plan is for (laughs) me to die alone with my dogs. I don't want to do this again. (laughs) And my friend was like, oh yeah, you're doing this again. (laughs) Yeah. She sent me the picture and I just laughed because I was like, well, I mean, I I haven't laid down in the grocery store before, but I I understand that feeling really well. (laughs) So I I get it, you know. Um, It's brave. Yeah. You're you're both in your 40s, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we're both 45. Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't remember if Deb was the same age or not. So yeah, like a She's, few months older. Yeah. So this is a good time for me to explain how Charity and I know each other for all of our friends who are eavesdropping on this amazing conversation via <laughs> <Yeah>. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Charity and I have known each other since 1991. Yes. And I know that because I have had to go back and trace when our sophomore year of high school started for a few people that I've interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> so it's 31 years. Gosh. Wow. That doesn't make you feel old. Not <laughs> <So> at all. <laughs> and at that point in time, we were so much the same and so much different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how else do you say that, right? Yeah. I remember that we got along famously though. Like we did, uh, we had gym together. I, did we have gym our sophomore year or was we that- had gym twice together? That's right. Okay. And thank and- God for that because yeah. Jim and me, no, that's yeah. not ever going to be a bestie type situation, yeah. but charity and I both not loving on the gym thing together was great. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, I hated running the mile. And I remember in our junior year when we had gym, it was that like, um, it was that hard one. But what did they call it? I don't even remember exactly. I just know that uh, uh, Jamie Ligurski, that was her name. That was our gym teacher, the tall, <laughs> the tall brunette that also coached basketball. Yeah. She, she ran, she ran us like, it was like wife like, fitness or something like that. that. And it, it was, no, what? no, it was no, like life's lifetime sports or something. Sports, or whatever. Oh, right, 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 right. But right. she, I mean, we were running miles. We were doing all these uh, exercises. I lost, I lost so much weight my junior year. My mom thought I was going anorexic, and I was like, no, it's just that my gym teacher is trying to kill us. Right. <laughs> I didn't at the time. I didn't have a lot of weight to lose, yeah, so it right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now, if if she could just come back into my life now. <laughs> Yeah, we're calling you. (laughs) I would shake her. (laughs) No kidding. Right. Like, but anyway, yeah. So me and Celeste knew each other through high school back then. I was very much closeted. What was 1991? Because it was 1991. Right. In Utah. In Utah, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And you grew up Mormon. Right. Most people do do in this state. As one does. And Deborah also grew up Mormon. Yes. Yes. And so now this is my first exposure to Deborah. Yeah. Are we going to say the young women's theme now? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need that PTSD in my life. Besides, I, I'm, I'm positive they've changed some of it now. So, they did, but then they also changed it again. Okay. See, it's, it's already not the young women's I grew up in. Yeah. They yeah. changed it and added some stuff for anyone who does not know young women's is the program that the young girls the mormon girls go into starting at age 12 through the age of 18 and the program for indoctrination and training i'm there's not really another any other way to say that because the young women's theme that you would say at the beginning of every it's it's a it's like the pledge of allegiance but it's like this whole thing that like girls are required to recite it spoke about um I always found it because I didn't go start going to church till I was 12 because I wanted to go to girls camp. Uh-huh. Also, That's how they tell get me you. you're gay <laughs> without telling me you're gay. <laughs> Do you have an organization where I can go camping with only women? That's over me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I hated girls camp. Oh, I'm very straight. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yep. uh-huh. There you go. So that's I, funny. They mm. asked me to go to church with them. And when I heard that theme, I just really loved it. I thought it was so feminist and so progressive because it talks about how you're an individual person with your own um, value and you should get knowledge and whatever choices you make, you'll be accountable for. And I was like, this is all this shit's for me. Um, but then at the end, there's a little bit where they talk about like how you're preparing to get married in the temple, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, or preparing to go through the temple. It's all, it's all about marriage though, for the girls. It is, That's it is what all it- about marriage. There were moments where I was definitely an odd egg there because my family's not LDS. Um, That's fascinating to me. And my so parents, when did you join? Did you, you joined, right? I was baptized at eight because my grandparents on one side. Okay. And so was my sister, but my grandparents, my grandmother just like picked me and was like, this is the one I'm going to make sure goes to church every week. 
And when I was 12, I was like, okay, I want to go. Like I used to go skiing every Sunday. And when I was 12, I said, okay, I want to go. I like these people. They were cool. And I, that because that's when they all develop boobs. (laughs) (laughs) I had been going to like, I had started, I had gone a few to mass with my biological father. Sometimes I had gone to church with some friends. I just was kind of looking for something and yeah. I wanted something. I was terrified that I was going to help. So where, it. where was that because of the Catholic mass and stuff? Yeah. Or where do you think that came from? I knew I was gay. I knew I was gay. I got caught looking at my father's playboys when I was nine and 10. I knew there was something different about me. And I don't think consciously that I put it all together, but I was terrified that I was going to hell. And I was looking for the solution, what was going right. to save me. And I really liked this. I loved what I found at in the LDS faith, but then I also was very willing to argue with them when they said things I didn't like. Um, when I was 13, I started bugging my bishopric and my young men's leaders about when I would get to pass the sacrament. <laughs> She was already a rebel. She was already a rouser. But I just, yeah. So, and I, I'm a joiner. If I'm going to be part of a thing, I'm going to be part of a thing all the way. And I just dove in and it was very easy for me to, it made it very easy for me to bury certain things about myself that had scared me. Which is the opposite of my experience. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And not to interrupt. No, no, this is perfect. But this is like the segue was Mm -hmm. for me, like I, my dad was never, my dad was not baptized. My dad's side of the family. So my dad was an only child. My grandparents, my grandfather grew up Baptist, but he was no longer active in that faith. Um, But my mom grew up LDS and she had Mormon for anyone who wonders. I'm sorry. I was just stating for the podcast that LDS is Mormon. Mormon. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. Technically, it's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Listen, after the millions they spent campaigning on the I'm a Mormon Mormon. thing, I refuse refuse to say anything but Mormon. Plus, it makes me Gordon B. Hinckley is my prophet. (laughs) So so anyway, so what ended up happening is um, I did, I went to church. And uh, I was active all the way up until I was 16, but there were there was some trouble in there as well. I went to seminary when I was in the ninth grade. I had an awesome seminary teacher, loved him to pieces. And then I had a run-in with a bishop. I went to him because some things happened between me and a boy when I was 14, and I wanted to repent. So for those of you who might be listening, when you are Mormon and you've committed some... Um, um, a type of sin that requires you to go to your bishop to get. So this is, it's purity culture. Let's just, it's purity culture. And they do yeah. what they call a worthiness interview Yes, where they're checking in to make sure that you're following what they deem to call the law of chastity. And anyone who's grown up in any fundamentalist type religious yeah. program has some kind of law of chastity thing that they do. Well, yeah. the way that Mormons handle that is if you do anything that crosses a line, you're supposed to go to the Bishop, who is the leader of the congregation, yes. who is a volunteer person. So in that position, it might be the local plumber. It might be the manager at the bank. It might be, you know, it, this is not someone who has any training. Correct. 
And you're supposed to go into them and tell them the things that you have done. So carry on from there. (laughs) All alone. So uh, yeah, Yeah. uh, without without another adult present. So, uh, so I went to my, I went to a bishop when I was in my um, sophomore year of high school. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Essentially what happened is I went to him to let him know that, Hey, I did some things with this boy when I was 14 um, in ninth grade. And I was so uncomfortable talking about it that he goes, okay, just going to ask you a bunch of yes or no questions. And then mm-hmm. we'll go from there. So he starts asking me all these ex- like sexually explicit questions. Did he do this? Did you do this? Did he do? So there's yes and no's, yes and no's and whatever. And then at the end of it, he goes, okay, well, uh, I will, uh, the boy was still in my ward and this happened to be a seminary teacher as well at my high school. So he was a bishop and a seminary teacher. And he goes, well, I will talk to so-and-so about this. And then he goes, um, do you feel forgiven? And I was like, I guess, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. And he goes, okay, well, thank you for coming in and da 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 da. And I walk out and I'm like, uh, what was that about? What the hell was that? So anyway, so that, uh, that was one of the first real, like, so bad- wait, there was no other repentance, anything that he, no, that was it. And as far as she knows, nothing happened to them. Because I didn't, obviously, I did not keep going to seminary. <laughs> after, after 10th grade, I, um, in fact, I didn't even, I didn't even stick it out in 10th grade. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. This um, is. Excuse me, seminary graduate. Thank you. Uh, me yeah. too. Me too. Yeah, no, not me. I'm just going to throw that out. Me too. Yeah. So anyway. Um, going to heaven. Uh, no, actually, I've been told that I have rescinded all of my blessings. So Some of us are charity. Oh, yeah. oh don't worry. So um, yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> I, I start working at McDonald's in my sophomore year of high school. And I become really, really good friends with these two sisters whose dad is a Baptist pastor. So I kind of went down the same course that Deborah did in a different way, like to a I, different religion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I was, I also knew from a very young age that there was something different about me. I didn't know what to call it back then though. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it had to do with my sexuality. Right. My parents never talked to me about the birds and the bees. Well, and there was people need to understand people that aren't our age or older don't understand. There was zero representation at that point in time. Right. Ellen DeGeneres yeah. hadn't even, I think it was actually while we were in high school, right? Or was it? No, it was 97. Cause I yeah. came out right after she did. So well, after is. Like the AIDS epidemic had been raging for a few years when we were in high school and junior high. Longer than a few years. Yeah, but that was a conversation about gay men. Right, That and- that I was just going to say that. When <laughs> yeah. you yeah. heard about the AIDS epidemic, it was always yeah. about gay men. Yeah. Genuinely, and I mean this, I don't have a whole lot of recollection Cratchit. of any Cratchit. conversations about gay women at all. So now I do remember knowing the term lesbian because I was sexually assaulted when I was 13 Mm. and I hated men at that point because of the assault and that that was not dealt with at that point. It was never, you know, and so there was trauma there. And I remember in high school saying, I really wish that I was attracted to women because my life would be so much easier. I really wish I was a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember much in those I don't remember 
do you like, I don't remember much conversation about like when you say the terminology, like I knew that I liked women, but I also knew that I could be friends with and romantically like engage romantically with the boys I dated. Right. So I knew that I could kiss a boy and it didn't like make me want to die. So I assumed that meant that I wasn't whatever, like that I liked boys and right. that I also liked women. Cause it could be pleasant. Yeah. Like I was married for 25 years and have three kids. It's not, yeah. <laughs> things can be pleasant, yeah. <laughs> but not, not things that you actually need to be fulfilled. Right? right. And so, but I don't remember the terminology until late in high school. And it was when I was accused of being a lesbian because I had a best friend and people would joke about us being lesbians. And I was like, I don't understand. Somebody had to explain what it was to me. You know, that might actually be part of why I remember that because Gretchen and I were super close friends. In fact, we, when we went to one of the, one of the Morp dances, I think we, I made everybody leave so that Gretchen and I could do some pictures together as well, because I thought it was funny. Scandalous. I know, but it see, but it wasn't damaging to my soul. Yeah. having people say those things to me yeah. because it wasn't attacking who I was because I right. was straight. Yeah. And so I was still in that space from a place of privilege. Right. <laughs> I was a cheerleader in high school when my junior year. And I distinctly remember cheering, being on the track, cheering at a homecoming assembly and a few girls in my school in my grade who didn't like me were screaming Debbie Benford's a dyke while we were dancing and cheering. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, Oh my God, how do they know? Like that. I liked girls, not necessarily that that was my identification, but I liked girls because I was also on several sports teams. And what I definitely didn't want was for somebody to think that I like was looking at them in the locker room or something. Right. Because that wasn't the way it worked. I didn't, it just. Well, yeah. just because you're attracted to the other sex doesn't mean you're sexually creepy. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I was actually, uh, I would call, I would say I was homophobic even to an extent um, because of the fact that I was attracted to girls. Um, of course, when I was in gym and stuff like that, my aim wasn't to look at girls undressing and dressing <laughs> and that. Lots it's hiding your was, own body at that point in time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was too busy trying I not to um, suit in the yeah, shower. I was trying. <laughs> yeah, I was trying. I was trying to be busy enough to cover, keep myself covered up. But I, I, I would say I was pretty close to homophobic myself, and the whole thing scared the hell out of me, right? Because it was driven into me my whole life that being gay was very wrong and goes right. against everything thing that we should be doing. Right. So, um, I, so I never talked to anybody about it. I, I, I actually had a steady boyfriend in my sophomore year. Um, it was the only time I went to prom and senior ball. And, um, after he, after he graduated, cause I was dating a senior after he graduated and he went off to Utah state and then he eventually went on a Go mission. <laughs> I eventually, uh, went on a mission. I, um, stopped dating altogether because it was too confusing for me because I liked when I got attention from boys because it was good for my self-esteem, I think, because I had some pretty deep-seated 
confidence issues in mm-hmm. high school. And I don't think this whole se- sexual identity issue I had helped that in any way. Oh, I'm sure it that. didn't. Right. And so after stepping away from the Mormon church, um, I decided to give this other thing a try because I was like, well, maybe that will fix what's broken. So I became very involved in like the Baptist church for like two years and everything I, this is where me writing in a journal was so vitally important because I didn't have anyone else to talk to. There were no resources back then, you know, and if you came out, there was no internet, no internet. Yeah. There was no, um, you know, I was afraid to tell there my friends no because alliance. yeah, no, gay <laughs> right? alliance. you know, I was afraid to tell my friends because everybody was LDS and going to church and everything. Right? So, um, Which I'm going to point out here that I knew you were a lesbian in high school. I think everybody did. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. but it, it was one of the, like, it wasn't something that I remember ever even thinking about as bothersome. Yeah. And and part of that, I'll be honest, part of it is in my naivety, I didn't fully understand what being a lesbian even meant. Yeah. You know, but I remember um it was one of the days when we were running the track and we were running past and somebody said something about you being a I don't remember if they used the word dyke or lesbian because those were pretty interchangeable for a lot of people yeah. back then. And um I don't know to this day, I still don't know if you had heard the comment as we were running by or not. To this day, I don't remember ever hearing that. But I flipped them off behind my back as we were running and just kept going with you. And I was seriously just like, because I have, I have never had space for pettiness and bitchiness and that kind of, you know, I just, I was, I was treated so badly in my home that it was irrelevant to me what anyone outside of my home said, because I'd already heard worse from my mom. Probably that day. Yeah. 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 And see, and I've always been the sensitive type where if, if I had heard it, it probably would have upset me and I probably would not have done anything about it at that point in time. I think I'm, I'm a different, stronger person now. Right. Well, of course, because of, you know, all of those things, but um, yeah. So high school, I don't think anybody, a lot of people, I don't think realize just how hard high school was for me. Because um, I didn't, I thought I was broken and I didn't, and I was not, I did not have a good relationship with my mom at the time. And um, it, there were just all these factors coming together that made me, um, I don't think I realized it at the time, but I was a very depressed person. Yeah. Um, not outwardly. A lot of people didn't know that. Um, but I used to like self-harm. I, I mean, I wrote in my journal about crushes on girls I had and stuff like that because I couldn't talk to anyone else. And so right. all within the pages of my journals. And so it was a very scary thing, but it's, it's, it's interesting what happened because a uh, when I was 18, I met a guy online. This is like way early in the stages of like chat rooms and things like that. Right. And, um, we start talking. It turns out he's from Ohio. He's also 10 years, my senior. I was 18 at the time. So, so he's a creeper. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, he came here. I went there. He came here. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, we ended up getting engaged and I'm, but I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Talk about this by the way. Um, because it really was the turning point for me. Um, we got engaged 
because just like a lot of other people, I thought getting married would, would fix everything. Yeah. If I just got married, it would fix it and I would be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, but then I consented to having sex with him for the first time. And okay, most women, it hurts the first time. It's an uncomfortable thing. It sucks. We went there. The more intimate we got, the more the more difficult it got for me to try to pretend that I was okay okay with with this. It got to the point where I would, because he moved here from Ohio for me, and it got to the point where I would avoid going to bed with him. And I would wait until he was asleep before I went to bed. And then the only, the only time uh, sex happened was when I didn't feel like I had an out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because how dare you say it's, it's, it's driven into us from very young ages that you are supposed to take care of the men in your life. Right. And, and mm-hmm. especially if you're going to marry them. So mm-hmm. No, was not necessarily some. I didn't. I felt like I was going. You didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know that was an option. So I either avoided it or I just kind of like went with it and and just got it over with because it never quickly. brought me it. Yeah, very quickly actually. But anyway, <laughs> um, it never brought me any pleasure or fulfillment or anything. And I never. I noticed for the first time. I never felt. Never felt for a man the way I felt for women that were in my life that I had You'd had crushes on crushes on. And I knew that was a problem. And I knew that getting married at some point I snapped and re- and just decided getting married is the worst possible thing that I could do. Um, I not only run the potential of ruining my own life, but I could also ruin his. Join me next week for the next part of the episode with Charity and Deb, as we talk about how love wins. Life is packed.